0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for High Velocity Radio.
1: Lee Cantor here, another episode of High Velocity Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Leslie Lacano with Beyond 15 Communications. Welcome.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: I am so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Beyond 15 Communications. How are you serving, folks?
0: Beyond 15 Communications is a full-service marketing firm based in Southern California. Uh, We do paid, earned, and owned media, really full-funnel omni-channel marketing services, um, trying to bring people from the top of the sales funnel, from awareness down through consideration, uh, and ultimately conversion.
1: Now, I heard that now you've just achieved your 15th year anniversary, so you're you're really beyond fifteen. Now,
0: <laughs> Yeah, we have some big campaigns uh, to play with that this year, because it is, is pretty great. We were our name is all about that old Andy Warhol quote, um, where once in your life, everyone will have 15 minutes of fame, So we bring our clients, you know, beyond that 15 minutes to lasting recognition. But it's a it is a real milestone where we're excited to celebrate.
1: Now, can you talk about what got you into this line of work? How did this all begin and evolve?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I wanted to be a journalist. I was a talented writer growing up and loved that, you know, way of expressing myself through the written word. And as I got through school, I kind of realized, oh, journalism may not be be for me. And so on the flip side of journalism is PR, right? And it's the, you know, helping the businesses get their stories heard, using the journalist to kind of help be that conduit, right? And, and to be a partner to those journalists as well. And so that was the path that I studied, and then that really started to evolve, right? PR has evolved a lot over the you know 20 years since I've been you know, doing what I'm doing, or, or 25 plus year, I think at this point. And uh, it's evolved into a whole lot of digital marketing now as well. And so those skill sets just parlayed right over into you know social media marketing at first and then SEO services and then pay-per-click. And so now we're doing full service marketing starting with that skill set you know that, that began at the written word and began with how can i get a client's message translated in a way that you know media and, and consumers will see value um, and also that really you know helps them meet their goals
1: Now you mentioned that over the course of those co- you know couple decades in this industry things have changed and th- to me, there's been a blurring of the lines of like, where does advertising begin? And where does PR begin? Or are they kind of now two sides of the same coin? How do you see kind of the difference between PR or communications company and an ad agency or a marketing agency?
0: Yeah, it's really just not serving people to do just, you know, one trick anymore, right? Where, you know, in past, you could just use PR, that could be sort of the only, you know, thing that you're doing, and you'd really move the needle. Now, I think there's just so much noise. There's so many ways to reach people. We need lots of different touch points in order to, you know, get people through the funnel to the conversion you're looking for, be it sales or something else. So, yeah, it's changed. It's changed a whole lot. PR, you know, it used to be, you know, you're doing door drops, right? You're bringing press kits to journalists' newsrooms you know we were faxing press releases that's just not how it works anymore <laughs> and so that that's changed dramatically i mean now sometimes we're even using social media to pitch journalists we're definitely using it to help identify stories on the on the digital side you know we began just thinking gosh we could get these pr messages out instead of having to rely on third party media we can get them out direct to the consumer. You know, we can skip the middleman, you know. Um, And so that's how we first started using social media. It was really to kind of broadcast our message to targeted audiences or our clients' messages. Um, And and quickly you sort of realize um, that's a two-way conversation as well. And so then it becomes a whole, you know, whole evolution. We added um, social media advertising, you know, to be able to uh, get to just the right person with just the right message uh, we still want to use the PR for that sort of broad mass appeal. Then we're using social media to get one-to-one. We're layering in SEO so that we can answer the questions that people are searching in their, their Google search bar and, and that client can land on our our content. The content still feels like the PR content that we did 20 years ago, right? It's It's high quality blogs and articles and listicles that are going to engage people. Um, so that that feels like traditional PR, but the way that we're getting people to that content and getting people to kind of be aware of who our clients are, what they stand for, what they do, and and why they're a leader in the space, that's changed completely.
1: Now you mentioned that um, this is kind of multi-channel, omni-channel. Um, how do you uh, have these conversations with your clients? Are they coming to you initially with kind of looking at you with your PR hat uh, on or are they looking to just solve a problem of hey, I, I need more clients or hey, uh, we have a new product launch and we're having a difficult time kind of articulating um, you know what makes it different and special?
0: Yeah, yeah, it varies. Um, so so certainly we've had, very specific challenges. We had a you know a publicly traded company uh, overseas that wanted to you know meet the US market where it's at. and, and so that's a whole kind of thing in and of itself. Uh, we have people who come and say, hey, I just want to be in the news or I just want to you know fill my lead funnel for my new sales team. So we absolutely have people who who know exactly what they want sometimes that becomes a bigger conversation um, because again it's hard to do just one piece of any of this and have success. Um, there's a lot of people who have been burned by Google ads for instance because they tried to do them themselves. you know they didn't know how to put in you know cross negatives or you know they didn't know how to not cannibalize their own ad spend right? There's a lot of things you can you can uh, you know kind of muck up <laughs> if you're a, a novice and you can just say, all right, I'm gonna throw the baby out with the ba- bath water. And Google ads don't work for my business. And that may be true. Uh, we have encountered times where that is the case. But more often than not, we say, hey, let us give it a try for 90 days. You know, let us just get in there. I can see what's going on in your account. We can see the errors that were made and, and how they could be um, rectified. And we've had really major turnarounds that way. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times people you know, think that they need one thing, they really need others. Um, or they think, hey, it's just an instant conversion from that Google ad. You know, people click, they're going to come to me, they're going to see I'm great, and they're going to become a client. Um, and, and we don't think about, okay, what about that mid-funnel content, right? The Google ads are at the top of the funnel, in the middle is all of that content marketing so that people know who you are, right? They're not just going to you know shake your hand and say, okay, I'm in. Um, they need to really get a feel for who you are, what you do, why it's important, You know your stuff. You're not just walking the walk, you're talking the talk. Um, And that's where that mid funnel content comes in. And so, you know, if you've got someone who says, ultimately, I want sales, but I just want this one top of funnel strategy, we've got to do some counsel in there to talk about, okay, well, what's going to pull them through? And are we going to do retargeting at the bottom of the funnel too for the people who who couldn't make up their mind, you know, on day one, Uh, which happens a lot, especially in B2B, right? If you're doing a, a high ticket B2B marketing play, no one's gonna click an ad, see you, and go, "Yep, I'm gonna spend you know thirty thousand dollars a month on your service or you know whatever it is." It's just not, not how it works. They're gonna need some nurturing along the way. Um, so yeah, it's 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 become a more involved conversation. We're not, um, you know, what they say, like if you sell sell uh, hammers, everything you see becomes a nail, right? So we can't just say, "Here's our solution," <laughs> you know, um, you need it. Uh, we really have to to do an audit and take our step back and and, and see what's going to make sense for each individual client.
1: Yeah. And I think that a lot of people think that just because you're messaging someone with the perfect message, which it might be the perfect message, they just not may not be in the mode to buy today, but they might be in the mode to buy in three months or six months. I mean, even the best product is, or service isn't going to work if the timing's wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where that retargeting really comes in. And some people you know, experience it as creepy, and I think if you overdo it, it can be. I know I was uh, shopping for a rug recently, and I mean, the amount of rugs <laughs> that are in my inbox, you know, are in my social feed right now. Um, and just, you know, the fact that if I go onto any website, I see that rug, <laughs> you know, it's in the sidebar ads. Um, you know, that that's, that's sort of how the retargeting works, right? You wanted this at one point. If I expose you to it over time, you know, will you come back? Um, and there are companies that I think really overdo that to a point where it feels creepy. <laughs> it feels, um, you know, just you know, lay off already. If I want the rug, I'll come back. You know, so we really try to time things well too. And and there's there's algorithms and data uh, in that that will help you kind of play it right. How many touches do I want? How often do I want them to be spaced out? And then the AI that's integrated into some of those platforms will kind of help you. Like this is, this is a person who has, you know, behaviorally, you know, their data shows that when they see something three times, they are more likely to swipe up to buy. And so you show it to that person three times. And this is a person who needs a week or two, you know, to mole. And if you show them something with longer stretches of time in between, um, then they're better, you know, suited to it. And so the, you know, the advantages of, of AI being integrated <laughs> into some of these tools um just can't be understated. It's it's really up to the game for for meeting people where they are um, and 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 helping to move people through.
1: Now, um, how do you have kind of the conversation with ROI and metrics? Like back in the day when they hired a PR company, they'd say, you know, I want to be on the Wall Street Journal or some big magazine and you'd be like, well, we'll try and you know, you work your relationships and contacts and hopefully that happens. What are the expectations in today's world when it comes to, um, you know, metrics and ROI when it comes to this kind of work?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with PR, it still really is about where do you want to be and can we get you there? You know, so it's about your goals and our ability to help you meet those goals. Um, you know, we, we use advanced measurement tools. We look at, uh, you know, for, for PR, we look at a lot of the ad valuation as well. You know, if you were going to buy an ad in this publication, it would have cost you, you know, X dollars, you know, but you're getting it through earned media. Um, and so here's you know what that value is when you tally it all up at the end. So that's that's still pretty straightforward um, from a PR measurement side, side of things. Some of them you can tell, like, how much traffic, you know, came into the website from the PR so that's another nice metric, um, but with the the digital, really the digital program is aligned to the client's goals. So you know we have a big uh, client that we basically serve as their their full service um, their marketing team, right? We work almost like an in house agency for them because we're just we're doing everything soup to nuts, um, and they work through a distributor model. Um, so their goal is to create awareness um, and to get folks to this where to buy, and after that, you know we can't really track the conversion, and so. They're able, though, to, to use our where to buy data to see that it actually does correlate with their sales. And so now they're really looking at our metrics of, OK, you know, here's how much traffic we drove to where to buy. And that's going to correlate with next month's sales figures. Um, so that's been a nice, nice thing to look at. Um, but with folks where an immediate sale is the conversion, that's a lot more straightforward. <laughs> and um, so really, it's about setting the the CTA or the call to action to what it is that we want to measure and then with digital it's it's really straightforward i mean you can measure everything you know if i want awareness i can see how many people follow me um, view my videos engage with my content visit my website you know so the the measurement on the digital side is actually a really neat thing because then we can start making data-driven decisions about what to do next you know based on on what worked and we have all that data at our fingertips which is really nice.
1: Now, just because things are easy to measure doesn't mean it's the most appropriate thing to measure. How do you kind of help your client discern what is the right metric to be paying attention to and and using that as the lever to help them get the uh, outcome they desire?
0: That's a really good question. Yeah, we get a lot of folks who want followers, <laughs> you know, or they want to be they just want to have more followers than their competitor. Um, and, and we definitely have to counsel away from, from those things that we kind of call vanity metrics. It's just a a number that feels really good, but it's not going to help your business. Um, and it's also much harder just on a a side note tangent to get followers these days. That's not how we consume media, uh, anymore, right. In the early days of say Facebook, you'd follow the brands you wanted to hear from. Now you don't have to do that. If, if, I engage with that brand, if I even just linger for a moment on that Instagram video, the algorithm is going to know to serve me more of it. And so I don't, you know, personally, I follow very, very few brands on, on Instagram, yet I see lots of great ones and I swipe up to buy all the time, you know? Um, And so I think just kind of making sure that the, the metric correlates with the business goals, and that it changes as the business goals change, right? So I think there's a lot of firms that kind of look at the set it and forget it program. Like we're gonna execute these five tactics on an ongoing basis. We're gonna measure these five KPIs. That's it. You know, That's your program, set it and forget it, rinse, repeat. Um, and that doesn't always work. Sometimes you know, you find, okay, I've got a lot of top, top of funnel traffic. Um, and, and that's what I was hired for. It was to generate top of funnel traffic. Great, I'm good. But if you haven't talked to them about what's happening next, you know where's it going after? Are you doing the follow through on it? You know, is it the right traffic? How can we tell? Um, then, then you you know you think you're aligned with the business objective because you're aligned with the initial statement that they made, um, but really you know it goes deeper than that, and it can shift over time. Um, so I think staying engaged in a two way conversation about what's happening, what it means, and what we do next. Um, that should really never end um, in, a, in a marketing engagement.
1: Now, what's the sweet spot in terms of an ideal client for Beyond 15?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I think that a client that has a story to tell is pretty important. Um, there are some, you know, heavily commoditized industries where there's not a whole lot of innovation happening. Um, so it's where it's really difficult to set up one brand apart from another and where there's not a whole lot going on internally that we can kind of shout from the rooftops. Those tend to be our a, a more difficult client um, for us because there's just, you know, there's less to leverage. Um the ideal client has a lot going on. You know, they're busy, they're 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 building relationships, they have exciting client engagements that they want to tell people about. Um, they're innovating, they've got new products that um, have been upgraded or you know are are exciting to the market and they want to get those out um so so those those clients that are um, really feeling enthusiastic and are doing things that they're excited about are the ones that that we get most excited about too. The ones who say eh, there's not really anything going on, but just you know I just need more business. <laughs> those are the the tougher ones, you know, um depending on the the industry so. We're doing a lot in B2B right now, um, a lot in high tech, um, you know, that's that's a, always been a really growing market and one that we're um, excelling in. But we also love a great consumer brand. Um, we uh, have one, a, a major tire brand as one of our clients, and we started their Instagram and YouTube channel, I think six years ago, and they're now the number one tire brand on Instagram and YouTube with over 4 million followers, you know, so it's really exciting i think to kind of span the gamut to have you know a high-tech client to have a an education a law a a consumer product you know to really kind of mix it up i think make sure that you know no day ever gets boring and you can really apply the lessons you've learned across industries um, to helping helping other clients as well
1: now um I would imagine a lot of your clients already have some relationship with either marketing, PR, or advertising firms. What's kind of their frustration with them or where they've uh, maybe plateaued in a result where they're saying, you know what, why don't we give at least some of the work to Beyond 15 and let's see what they can do? So what's usually that kind of point of entry for you uh, on an initial client?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's either not getting results. That's a, that's a big one, right? I've been doing it and paying the money month over month. Um, but I'm not getting the business results I want. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that's frustri- frustrating. Um, the other is just a lack of new ideas. Um, and so we really drive our team, right? You can't rest back on your laurels. <laughs> There's never a point where uh, we can stop hustling. And and our uh, I'll tell you a little bit about our client contracts. A lot of uh Companies will lock you into like a six month or year long contract. We're doing 90 days um, on a rolling out. So that means we've always got to earn our keep, right? We've always, you know, we're really only as good as our last month's results. Um, And if those aren't where they need to be, then it's really easy for our client to disengage. And we did that intentionally because we don't ever want um, an unhappy client um, but for those who are locked in and they're sort of riding things out until they can, can switch over and, and work with us, again, it's often a lack of results or just a, a lack of fresh ideas. You know, we we do beautiful 12-month plans, omni-channel plans that, you know, big Gantt chart that shows every month, the omni-channel theme, all the different buckets of, of earned and owned and paid media that we're going to touch on, how they'll all work together. I mean, you spend a lot of time creating these big old 12-month plans, but... They can't be set in stone, you know. They need to be living, breathing documents that react to what's working and what doesn't, um, and you know uh, have that flexibility. And and also, if we see something really cool, bringing that to our clients, hey, here's an opportunity you should participate in. Here's a speaking engagement. I know speaking's not in our scope of work, but I think you should have this stage. You know, really just. Staying excited um, and, and continuing to maintain the hustle, I think, is a, a great way to kind of keep a client longer term and, and what we see uh, folks coming to us, kind of coming out of um,
1: lacking. Now, is there a story you can share? Uh, you don't have to name the client, but um, maybe the most rewarding where you were able to take a client that and exceeded their expectations and maybe gave them a result they didn't even think was possible?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that the tire brand is one that we're really, really, you know, very excited about. Kind of that those numbers, because four million followers just doesn't happen in today's today's market for for most companies. But you know, it's also really fulfilling to work with smaller brands too. I mean, I, I think about Beyond Fifteen is my baby, right? This this business I've been running for fifteen years is how much does it matter to me that it succeeds or fails? I mean, everything, right? And so when you're working with a smaller company, too, you know, you know, they're looking at that as their baby, too. And so, you know, especially if they've got kind of a shoestring budget and, you know, I I, I we had a client that had six months of, of budget and that's really all they could do. And they were, you know, pinching pennies in order to do it as a husband and wife um, duo. And we built an award-winning campaign. Uh I got the, the Gold Protus Award for Best Media Relations program. It won the Bulldog PR Award. Um and it's you know for a for a company that's just two people, you know, basically being able to build a thought leadership plan program that got them in like Ask Men, MSN, Men's Health. I mean, really just got, I think it was like 60 some earned media placements and a, a readership of over 1.8 billion. It was, it was a, a massive, massive success um, and an award-winning program for, for these folks who have just pinched their pennies to, to only be able to do six months, right? And so that was really exciting and rewarding too. So I think there's just a lot that's rewarding about the work that we do in marketing. We're helping other people's businesses succeed every day, big and small. Um, and so, it doesn't get much better
1: than that. Now, uh, if you looked in your crystal ball uh, about trends, maybe upcoming in the next year or two, in marketing and in uh, communications, like where does AI fit in? Where where do you see the most opportunity for folks out there to leverage some of the new technologies? And what's you know your opinion on what's you know kind of going to make it and what may be just a fad?
0: yeah yeah I mean there's a, a lot of fads that come and go. I mean anytime there's a new social media platform, we've got to hop to and and really you know become experts quickly, figure out who needs to be there, who doesn't. Um, one of the recent ones was like threads. you know, there's a lot of hype and it's it's quieted down quite a bit. Um, there's not a whole lot of action on threads. We're not recommending a whole lot of clients you know go there. So you know, a lot of times our recommendation is to kind of um, be ready, you know, have your strategy built potentially dip a toe in. But, you know, it's better to be amazing in the four or five channels that you can really own versus to spread yourself so thin, you know, trying to be everything to everybody um, that you barely make a dent. So, um, you know, it's hard with so many different things coming out all the time. Um, as far as what's impacting us most uh, right now and expected to, the, the the whole conversion to GA4, the Google Analytics um, um, shift, that has been a big uh, a big deal for kind of how we're doing content marketing, how we're trying to structure um, websites and tracking. Um, also, at the same time, that idea of the cookie-less future, uh, you know, I don't know how much you, you know about that, but the, you know, first the GDPR came up, right? There's all this stuff about privacy and they've been saying it's coming, it's coming for a really long time. Um, we almost, you know, worry about being the boy who cries wolf. We're trying to prepare for this cookieless future that we keep thinking is around the corner, and the platforms keep delaying. But that's going to be a big one, um, and it's going to really mean that we've got to think about more privacy-centric methods for data collection and analysis, which we're already doing, um, so that we are ready. Um, first-party data collection you know, using more contextual targeting um, in our advertising, thinking about consent management platforms, thinking about collecting your own data, right? Asking people to fill out a form (laughs) fill. It sounds old school, but I think, you know, getting really good at that, uh, you know, is going to be big when this eventually does come. Um, And then, yeah, AI is a game changer for sure. I'm excited to see what the next generation brings. I think it's really important to use it responsibly uh, we just did a blog on that and kind of uh, what works and what doesn't right and 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 some of the stuff that's coming out with right now is is not real <laughs> you know it'll source um scholarly articles that were never written and um do things that could get you in some trouble um from a, a marcom perspective Uh, so I think, you know, using it to support you, uh, but not to do your job for you is, is really important. Um, and, and just, you know, being careful there, right. You can't, you can't be, um, relying on it as the be all end all holy grail of truth, you know?
1: Now, if you were giving advice to somebody, um, maybe an entrepreneur that isn't ready for you today, but might be tomorrow, what are some actionable things they can do in and around communications, uh, you know, today? What are, what, what's some low-hanging fruit for firms out mm-hmm. there right now?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way that the most recent uh, core algorithm shift on Google uh, impacted things really has prioritized content, uh, especially content that answers the questions that people are searching. So I think writing articles, you know, figuring out what folks are searching online that has to do with your industry and that that you can really speak to as an expert, um, and then developing that content and optimizing it on your site, I think is a really, you know, that is kind of some some low hanging fruit because the more that your site is seen as. A powerful answer to client or to the questions that people are googling, um, the better your authority is going to be, and the more likelihood you show up at the top of the search, which is a, a huge goal for for many many client businesses. Um, so I think focusing on quality content marketing, um, you know, writing some pieces on on things that you are an authority in the field on, is a great starting point. Um, and then, you know, down the line or even, you know, sooner if you've got the resources, you can do a lot with that. I mean, we, we talk about how we can take a single piece of content. We can make a whole campaign out of it if it's, if it's strong, right? And we could slice and dice it up for social media content. Uh, we could use social ads to drive people over to it. We could pitch it to press as a byline article, you know, with your headshot and bio on it um, there, there's just so much you can do with, you can send it out in your e-newsletters or email marketing to kind of follow up with warm leads. Um, I probably a dozen other things that we, we would do to sort of slice and dice content, um, to make it go further. So I don't think that will ever be a wasted effort, especially the way that the search engines are moving, um, to have a body of work that you're just building that way.
1: So, if somebody wanted to learn more, have a more substantive conversation with you or somebody on the team, what's the website? What's the best way to get a hold of you?
0: We would love that. Uh, it's www.beyond15.com with the 15 spelled out. Um, so, beyond, F I F T E E N.com. Uh, we blog, by the way, so much. We do our own blogging program. Uh, I think we're doing four, four a month right now, and we have been for a decade. Um, so a lot of the topics that you're talking about right now, we actually have articles uh, about on our website. So if anyone wants to dig into any of that, um, it's, it's likely there as well.
1: Well, Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your story today. You're doing such important work and we appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed this, uh, this call.
1: All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on High Velocity Radio.